Alrighty, hello, welcome. It's another day in my last joint HQ, and I'm just gonna clean around my desk here, if you don't mind, because it's been, it's a little bit messy. And sometimes I forget that I go live, and then you know, people worldwide can see my mess. So. I do apologize. Listen, I'm a little bit late today. I normally start nine o'clock and I normally have a guest as well, but I don't have a guest. I'm not going to look for excuses. I do have some guests coming up, but I just haven't managed to get anything ready for today. Um, I wanted to actually play one of the recordings I have, um, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go quickly through a webinar I did two, three days ago, um, and hopefully helps you in some way. And I'm not going to actually play the webinar. I'm just going to go through it myself because it gives me, it's a good practice for me. I get to, um, I get to do some other stuff as well. Um, by the way, it's a little bit, oh, Colette. Hey, how you doing? Colette, I saw your, uh, WhatsApp, but I did not reply it. Apologize, I've been a little bit slammed today. And I just got back and I said, I'm going to quickly jump and do this podcast. How are you, Colette? I hope you're better now. Um, right, let's just do this. Uh, bear with me one minute. What am I doing? Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm a bit better. How much is a bit? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm in a funny mood today. Okay, right. Let me copy this. Good to have you back, by the way, Colette. Um, you got me a little bit worried there, I'm not going to lie. All right, okay. Colette, I'm just going to quickly do, not a webinar, but I'm just going, quickly going to talk about five mistakes I see people doing. I don't even need to change my screen. I'm just going to do it like that. Today, hopefully a big bit. <laughs> but how big is big? <laughs> oh my God. Okay, here we go. Right, people, I'm going to talk about, and yes, this is going on the podcast as well, so let's behave, shall we? I'm going to talk about the five mistakes I see my clients and just generally people that are about to quit marijuana doing okay so i did this webinar a few days ago and i think it's fair to say it was disaster um probably because i announced it four or five hours before and then in the end i think two people turn up it was still fun i'm not gonna lie but you know from from the perspective of organization or whatever or Whatever measure you want to use, it was a disaster, but it was good. <laughs> Speaking of <your> humor, <laughs> glad. Okay, um, so yeah, I I said, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of do a similar presentation today, not necessarily presentation, but I'm gonna talk about similar thing today. It is about quitting marijuana, and it should help you in some way. So, um, you know, those are the kind of five mistakes I see my clients doing. Um, people in quit wheat and support Facebook group, and I think just people generally on um, 
on the podcast and sometimes reading YouTube videos as well. That happens. Okay, so the mistake number one, right? The biggest mistake that I see people doing, and I did this as well, is not going all in, right? There's a there's a community on Reddit called RPETIOLS. That's P-E-T-I-O-L-E-S. And it's community pretty much for people that don't necessarily want to quit, but also don't really enjoy marijuana. I don't know, it's kind of... it's. I might I might miss the description there a little bit, but it's basically for the people who want to cut down or take a tea break or whatever. You know, people that don't necessarily want to quit marijuana, like forever. And it's really interesting because every week or every two weeks, there comes a post when a person comes in and he or she goes, well, here's my rule number one, rule number two, rule number three. And then you read the post and there's about 25 rules they have to abide every day in order to enjoy marijuana. Holy smokes. Imagine that you got a pen, uh, that you got a note with you that you read every single day just so you can like enjoy marijuana. How confusing is that, right? That's why is it not much easier to go all in? Like okay, I understand sometimes you might feel like you're missing out. Sometimes you might be like yeah, but, you know, smoking weed can be fun occasionally. Guess what? There's a million other things that can be fun, right? I think once you come, and I'm a strong um, believer in that, once you come to a point where something is no longer fun, I don't actually think you can go back to it being fun, you know? A lot of the times on my podcast, I hear people saying, you know, I did know in the back of my head it's not fun anymore, but I still want to go and try it. And what happens is they go and they start rolling, you know, and it's this feeling, yeah, like this is this is amazing. And then, you know, they made the joint and then they light it up. And as soon as they light it up, this feeling just goes away. It's almost like, what am I even doing, right? So here's the thing. If I can give you one tip, when you're quitting, go all in. Don't be like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to do it on the weekend or perhaps I'm going to do it on my birthday or, you know, because as soon as you start introducing this kind of a, you know, maybe if it's like, what if you, let's be honest, it's a slippery, slippery slope because you wouldn't be where you are if wheat would be inconvenient for you. I imagine you're listening to this podcast because weed became a problem. It's not inconvenient anymore. I think we passed that point. I know I was back in the day. And, you know, I had to go... It took me at least four years to go through these these bloody stages. The first stage was, I'm going to cut down. Guess what? It took me six months or even more. One year to realize that's not going to happen. And then I had the stage when I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go home for six weeks and I'm going to come back and the problem will be resolved. It was for about a month. And then... I was back right into it, like nothing happened. And then I had this idea, you know what? When I'm going to be like 60, 70, I'm going to smoke. But now my life is going to be this and this and this. And that didn't work as well. And then I said, what the hell? Like, what am I doing? Like, what is the point of even trying all this? Why not just go all in? Like, why do, what is, what, what makes weed so special that I, I can just not leave it there, you know? And that's where I am right now. I'm like, okay, I do have history with weed. But on the other on the other hand, I'm like, 
you know, I don't really need it. Like, I know it's there. I know what it gives you, but where I want to go and what I want to do, I don't really need it. And, you know, like, holy shit, my table is shaking. It can be only so much fun with weed. Let's be honest. Like, I don't know how many times you got stoned, but when I got stoned repeatedly after two or three years, it's just no longer fun, is it? It's the same old BS, right? So the first mistake that I see a lot of people doing is go all in. Um, Chris on the podcast, uh, Chris Lopper, which I'm going to talk with in two weeks. We scheduled another episode. He has a quote that goes, 100% is easy, 99% is hard. And when I heard this, I was like, wait, what? Right? But it makes sense because when you're 100% committed, it's just easy because you know what to do. But when it's 99, it's almost like, yeah, well, then maybe, but maybe not. But I don't know, it's Friday evening. It's the, it's a very slippery slope. And guess what? Nothing is fun when you need it. Exactly. Spot on, Colette. Nothing is fun when you need it. And yes. And guess what? Another thing is you are pretty much putting yourself. It's almost like you, you're giving yourself, de- you're dependent on the external factors. That could be, okay, emotions, those are internal, but external factors could be bad weather or someone triggered you or perhaps you had a bad day, your boss lost it at you. Do you see where I'm getting with it? And when you have this slippery slope, well, you know, then maybe or on the weekend, it's almost like you're going to excuse it. Well, you know what? I'm not going to smoke on Saturday because tonight has been really hectic day. And I'm going to smoke tonight and then I'm not going to smoke it on the Saturday. I still think you're going to smoke it on the Saturday, let's be honest. So anyways, I'm not going to go too too far with this. The first mistake I see a lot of people doing is not going all in. Now, excuse me five seconds. I'm just going to take my hoodie off because it's bloody hot in here. Okay, here we go. Let's go back. Right. Mistake number two. Um, Not involving closed circle. Yes, 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 yes. So, I have a client that I still talk with. Let's call him, we'll call him Brian, even though his name is not Brian. He's got a very common name. So, I could just say his name, but for the purpose of privacy, and, you know, I'm big on privacy, and I know lots of my clients, they care about privacy as well. So, Brian, we, I started talking with him last year, actually, beginning of the year. Brian was one of the one of the people that contacted me quite early with this Smile Ash joint experience. And he was listening to my podcast. He actually sent me an email. And when we started talking, he told me he's been sober for about a month and his podcast helped him a lot. That was in May. And then I caught up with him again. I think it was September or October. And I um I called him on Zoom. And he, he told me he relapsed and asked him what happened. And he said, well, I don't really know what happened, but now I'm kind of smoking every day. I said, okay, um, you know, I told him about my program. He knew anyways what I'm doing and community and all that. He said that he he's going to go, he's going to do it when he's ready. And I said, okay, fair enough. And then he got in touch with me again towards the end of November and asked me if we can work one-on-one. And we started working one-on-one. And... One of the first things Brian told me is that when he was quitting, he was staying inside. He didn't want to go see his friends. He didn't tell his family what is happening. 
he was pretty much just staying with his girlfriend and fiance, I think at that time already, inside. And I asked him, what, what is the point? Like, what was the reason for this? And he said, well, I just, you know, I don't want to really share with, with anyone what I'm doing. And, you know, we kind of went through this multiple times, like from the different angles. And Brian pretty much realized that there's just no point in hiding this, you know? And then beginning of December or mid of December, he started sharing what's happening with his family. And then he started sharing what's happening also with friends. I remember there was a time when when he was telling me that he's going to go. Okay, this is how, it's, it shouldn't be funny, but this is so relatable. And tell me if you don't, if, you know, if this sounds very familiar. He told me that he's going to go knock a tree down with his friend. And I asked him, Brian, do you think that's like, you know, the the tangent here is knocking down a tree or having few joints while you knock down the tree? And he kind of agreed. He kind of realized that, you know, perhaps the purpose of this, you know, bonding or whatever, it's not necessarily to cut down the tree. It's more really to to have few joints while perhaps the tree goes down, you know. And um, so I told him, well, why don't you tell him as well? And then he started sharing with, with his friends. And guess what? Towards the end of the December, Brian stopped smoking. And he hasn't been smoking now. I think he had a little relapse first week or second week of January. Um, but since then, he wasn't smoking. And it's kind of interesting what happens when you involve your close circle. Now, if you, I don't know if you understand, understand this concept, but sharing is actually accountability, right? That's how crazy this is. Because the more you're going to share this, the easier it gets. Because inadvertently, you made your friends and you made your family and whoever else you told what you're going through, you made them your accountability partners. That's how crazy that is, right? And if you're sometimes scared or you're sometimes unsure how you're going to break this up, let me give you a little secret. No one really cares. I mean, they do care about you, but they don't care that you might actually have marijuana addiction, right? Shall I tell you how I know this? And this is really weird, right? few weeks ago, actually about a month and a half ago, I changed my cover photo on Facebook. And I was also kind of, a, uh, I guess, careful, but also like, why would I need a cover photo of something like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. But then I start, I took over this Facebook group and I was like, okay, well, if I have a Facebook group, I might as well have a Facebook cover because I know a few people, they'll click on my profile. They'll want to see what I'm doing, Right. So I put on my Facebook cover and I put my last joint and what I'm doing, you know, marijuana coach and all that. And I was thinking, holy shit, like, you know, my family, my friends. I mean, some of them, they already knew what I'm doing, but not all of them. Now they're going to know. Guess what? Not a single person said a thing. That's how crazy it is, right? Sometimes we think that there's like, I don't know, this this little fairy tale, this gremlin that is going to come at you and he's going to say, oh, you smoke weed. Oh, my God. No, it doesn't happen, right? But if you ask for help, you will get help. I promise you this. So mistake number two that I see a lot of people doing it is not involving close circle. Seriously, involve close circle. Tell your friends, tell your family. And listen, if you're scared 
or you don't know how to share it, how to say, okay, I've got a problem with tweet, I need help. You can go the middle ground. You can say, listen, I'm dealing with something very personal, but I need your help. Can I call you every now and then? Or can we do something fun every now and then? People are going to help you, I promise you. Like your friends and family, they're going to be there for you, you know? So definitely involve close circle. Seriously, it makes a huge, huge difference. When you're going to have your, when you're going to have withdrawals, so when your feelings are going to be up and down, when you're going to be angry or sad or, you know, if you're going to feel like lashing out or if you're going to feel like you want to relapse, you might, you have a friend there or a family member, you can call and talk to them. And that makes a huge difference. Um, in group as well, Facebook, quit, Facebook group, quit, tweet, and, um, quit, tweet, and succeed is, uh, close circle as well in that aspect. All right, let's go the next one. Mistake number three, by the way, before, before I started, um, this podcast, I drank two, um, like a jug of that, of apple juice. I think I'm getting a sugar rush. Holy shit. I can, I can heal that. I can feel the heat, you know? Okay. Anyhow, mistake number two, three is not understanding your triggers slash cravings. Yes. Right. So I don't know how far into your journey you are, but once you are going to be like two or three weeks, you will start realizing or you, you kind of discover that there are certain things that remind you of wheat, right? This could be a song. This could be playing video games. Um, this could be a bench in the park. That was me. My trigger was bench in the park, right? The more you are aware of these things, the easier it gets, right? That's why in my program, the first week, what I do is I do an exercise when we go through all the triggers. Now, if you're just new to the podcast, if you just started listening now, or you just tune in now, the previous episode, I think this is going to be, I think it was 104. Let me check. Oh. <laughs> so, oh, sorry, 106. In the episode 106, I made a whole presentation on how to conquer your triggers, right? So you want to go and listen to that um, the episode, and you want to learn about four types of triggers, right? So we have um, we have emotional triggers, we have behavioral triggers, we have psychological triggers, and we have environmental triggers, right? And you need to know those four triggers because I'm pretty sure each one of you listening right now has at least one trigger from each category, right? And when you understand those triggers you'll be able to develop a coping strategy. And that gives you so much lever. That, that helps you so much in the first two, three weeks because you'll know what triggers you. You'll know what gets you to kind of go, you know, on a Friday evening or perhaps on a Thursday afternoon when you're coming home from work, you understand, okay, coming home from work, that's my trigger, right? So, um, yeah, mistake number three is not understanding your triggers and cravings. Seriously, do the homework, um, understand your triggers and cravings, and it's almost, it, you probably be halfway there already. It's crazy how it works, but it is. Because the more you understand it, the more you, the more you know how you function, the more you know your behavior patterns, 
Because these things, you do them repeatedly. I don't know if you realize this, but smoking weed is like eating. You tend to eat similar food all the time. Well, guess what? Smoking weed is similar. You tend to smoke in the, at the same place, at the same place, normally at the same time. And usually you would do the same activities. So once you understand this behavior, once you understand these patterns, it'd be so easy to break them up and also to break them up to make a coping strategy. So, okay, normally I smoke when I play video games. So what I'm going to do now when I play video games, right? You understand where I'm going with that. Seriously, go back to the episode 106. Listen to the episode. You'll understand some of the triggers, some of the common triggers. Write them down and then do your own diligence, like connect your own triggers there and then make a coping strategy. So say, for example, let's say, for example, your trigger is coming home from work. So have a coping strategy for what happens when you come home from work, you know? One of the good things that helps as well is breaking the routine. Say, for example, in the morning, you wake up, you have a cup of coffee, and then you have a joint. Well, why don't you break the routine? Instead of having a cup of coffee and having a joint, no, go out for a walk or read a newspaper. Like, try to break the routine a little bit, you know? Okay. <laughs> Mistake number four, by the way, we got two more, and then I'm going to close it as well, because it's been a long day, and this sugar, holy shit, is going through my brain like a tornado. Right, mistake number four is not having a plan, right? Here's the thing. Quitting, it's uh, ordeal, should we call it ordeal? It's, it's not something that should be taken lightly. I'm guessing if you want to quit marijuana, it's because it came to the point where it's problematic. And if it's problematic, you must have been smoking for a while. I, so far, neither on my podcast or just talking with people offline, I didn't meet one person that would be smoking for four or five months and they would say it's problematic. Normally, it's at least one or two years, right? So, it's a kind, it's a little bit silly to go into that without any plan whatsoever. And I'm saying this with straight face thinking that I did exactly that when I was first quitting. But I, you know, I didn't know. But here's the thing, right? When you're quitting, have some sort of plan. I beg you, have some sort of plan because it's going to make things so much easier, right? The first thing you want to do is you want to understand your triggers and cravings. The second thing you want to do is you want to understand the withdrawals. Start taking sands. What's, what's Chuck them? Start taking sands. What's sands? <laughs> Um, withdrawals, right? So you might have a loss of appetite. You might have trouble sleeping, right? Your emotions will be probably all over the place, right? So you want to consider those things because if you're not going to consider, guess what? Xanax, Alprazolam, help me. Okay, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. So we're just going to leave that in the comments there. But listen, Chuck Tom, if it helps you, why not? Um, if you take, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, have a plan. Seriously. Don't just go do this without any plan whatsoever. Um, and write these things down as well, you know, journal. Um, so yeah, that's a huge one. I think as well, not having a plan. Um, Xanax can become problematic for some indeed Colette. Okay. Let's go mistake number five. <laughs> the last one I put here is doing doing it on your own. 
So here's the thing, right? Quitting can be a very painful experience. Trust me, that's coming from someone who dedicated last two years helping other people not having a painful experience. Because I had a freaking, I, it wasn't fun. I prom like my quitting when I was 25, 26, I felt like an absolute failure. I felt like shit. My thinking was, how the hell I cannot say goodbye? Like, how the hell I cannot even quit this? Like, what is going on with me? Right. And then, then spiraled into other areas of my life where I was just feeling complete loser. Right. If I would had someone back then, even a mentor or a group, things would be much easier. A, because I would know I'm not the only one feel, having trouble with this, but B, because I could, you know, perhaps find some friends and find some support. Right? I don't know what it was back then. That was 2015, 2016. I think our leaves were around at that time. But seriously, you don't need to do it on your own. If you're now watching here on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast later on, find yourself a support group. Get yourself a mentor. Like Consider my program. Right, Get yourself around people that have done it before. It's 100% much easier. Not even easier. A, it's cheaper because trying to figure it out on your own, it's going to cost you time and money and probably it's going to cost you emotions and a bit of sanity as well, right? It's more fun. Like some of the stuff that we talk in the group, it's fun and it's relatable. And it's like, oh, hey, yeah, you got problem with that. I had problem with that. Okay? Seriously, don't try to do this on your own. That's the whole reason why I do the podcast as well. Because I know that you might you are struggling with that because I did once and I don't want you to do it alone. That's the, honestly, that is the whole reason why I do podcasts. Okay? Um, so yeah, don't do it on your own. Join the group. Um, find yourself a mentor. If you don't like my last joint program, find someone else. There's plenty of people. Okay, even ask your therapist if you want. Ask your best friend, ask your partner if you want, but find someone that you can do this with, right? The trouble is, the reason why I'm saying join a support group or perhaps consider my program is um, that 90% of the people don't understand how it is when you're having problems going away from weed. When you're having problems regulating weed, when you're addicted to weed, if that's what you want to call it. Coletti saying, reality can be so painful, but it, it, it also it can be so pleasurable. Yin and yang. Exactly. And that's how reality is. It's up and downs. I feel like when you're kind of stoned every day, it's more like this. It's just flat line. It's just, you know, very little ups and downs. Um, but yeah. All right, that was five mistakes. So the first one, again, not going all in. The second one, not involving closed circle. The third one, not understanding your triggers and cravings. The fourth one, not having a plan. The fifth one, doing it on your own. And I'll give you the sixth one, which I just thought of earlier on. Actually, it was on the call today in the morning with my client. We kind of discussed this quickly, but I'll give you an example on someone else, on someone I coached back in December. Uh, I'm not going to name her. Let's call her Anne. Uh, you can actually watch the video, the her re review on my website. Um, but 
And we started working together in November. And Anne had problems with weed since he was she, since she was 15, 16, I think. And he became kind of a problem towards mid-20s, end of 20s almost. She's 32 now, 33. And um, when we started working together, she had control to some degree. So she wasn't smoking all day. But then in the evening, she didn't, she would often desire to go out or she would often, you know, want to do something productive, but she would just end up smoking weed. Um, Normally it would be because the dispensary was on the way from work. Um, So when we started kind of working together, she told me about some of the stuff that she's doing. And she told me that she often goes um, for walks. in her neighborhood, there was a forest there, and she always finds kind of a secluded spot where she smokes. Um, and then we started kind of working together, and I think it was about a week or two weeks in when we started working together, and at, at that point, Anne decided she, that she's going to quit. And she told me that she just had a walk and that she enjoyed her spot. And I was like, I was a little bit, I was a little bit surprised. Um, because I knew that she's not smoking, yet she's still going to that same spot. And I asked her, and I asked her about it. I pretty much challenged her straight on. I said, "And can you, can you, like, can you tell me what's the reason why you're still going to that spot?" And she said, "Well, I don't really know. That's a good question. Like, she didn't, she didn't consciously even realize that she's still doing the same things that she used to do when she was smoking, without wheat." Right, and that wasn't the only thing. There was some other things that she was still doing without weed. So I kind of pointed out to her. I said, "And listen, this is not just about removing the substance. This is about changing the identity, right? The new Anne, the one, the one you want to reach, the one you want to become, doesn't do those things. The new Anne, the the you know the Anne two O, whatever you want to call it." doesn't go out in the forest and find the secluded spots and stays there, right? So here's the key, this, the mistake number six that I see a lot of people doing, and that's normally that comes later on in the journey, perhaps fourth to fifth week. Change your identity. Seriously, you cannot have the old identity, the stoner identity, stay the same now, right? If you just remove the wheat... That's not the solution. You cannot just remove the wheat and expect completely different results, right? The same thing happened with me. When I I quit in 2020, in August, right? And a few months later, I started being more active. I started being more social. And guess what? My attitude was still the same. I was still jerk. I still wouldn't be answering phone calls like I used to do when I was high. Um, I still wouldn't be reliable and et cetera, et cetera. And people started calling me out. And I realized, well, hold on a second. Like, that's what the old Angela would do. That's the, you know, the one day he's hiding in, in the room, smoking and thinking, you know, he's gonna, I'm not sure what, but, you know, the imaginary stone idea, whatever you want, it, you want in there. Um, so, yeah. Seriously, mistake number six, change your identity. Okay. That's it for me. I that was a little bit uh, improvised. I'm gonna say 
a huge thank you to the apple juice here for the plenty of energy. <laughs> I um, I thank you for watching. Don't forget about our Facebook group, Quit, Weed and Succeed. Colette, it's good to have you back. Colette is also doing um, weekly meetings on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Central European time. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next one is Monday. By the way, on Monday, we've got a huge guest. Like this just hit me out of nowhere. I didn't even know that she exists. Please don't tell her that. <laughs> but seriously. So on Monday, we got Ricky, Ricky Friedman. And she apparently has her own program. And she's a influencer slash speaker slash I don't know how many hats she's wearing. But I've got this message about two or three weeks ago from her agent asking me if she can come on the podcast. And I was like, well, I mean, I'll check if I have any dates. <laughs> but no, Ricky is coming on the podcast. So I'm, I'm quite excited about that. Um, honestly, I didn't even know that she exists. And then I saw her and apparently her podcast is in top 100 as far as I know. I think she's got walking walking podcast or something like that. Um, so yeah, that'll be quite interesting. We're going to be live on Monday at 9 o'clock. And um, yeah. All right, guys, you have a good weekend. Don't forget, you're not alone in this. Seriously, if you don't want to go on Facebook, at least tell some of your friends. Perhaps you want to even consider my last joint program. Shall I tell you a little secret? 80% of people, 80% of my clients, they come to me because I'm a stranger. Because for them, it's easier to talk to a stranger than it is to a friend or a family. It's crazy, isn't it? All right, okay. I hope I said this already, didn't I? Have a good weekend. I'll see you on Monday. Over and out. Bye. Oh. Mm.